we have been in this series for the past several weeks, and we've been asking God to do several things in our hearts to make us unstoppable for him, unstoppable as a church and unstoppable as individuals. And we've done this specifically as it relates to our personal generosity. The first week, we talked about unstoppable transformation and how generosity is transformational. And God wants more for us than he wants from us. In the second week, we talked about unstoppable faith and uh, how, like Abraham, we can move from believing in God to really believing God, to believing God even when we don't see clearly the end of the road that God is taking us down or how everything will work out. And the third week, we talked about unstoppable influence and how God can multiply our gifts to work miracles in the lives of the people around us. And last weekend, we talked about unstoppable um, sacrifice, and we learned from the life of David that uh, what we give to God ought to cost us something, that we shouldn't offer him sacrifices that cost us nothing. And today, our title is Unstoppable Me. Today uh, is our commitment day, and I want to move this from theory to reality in your life and in my life. I don't want to just talk about being unstoppable. I want each of us to take steps toward actually becoming unstoppable personally as individuals and together as a church. And so I want us all to experience the truth of our theme verse. You might remember it is found in Job chapter 42, verse 2. It says, I know that you can do everything and that your plans are unstoppable. And we have some special things planned today. I'm pretty sure that each of us will look back on this weekend and we will see it as a defining moment, a legacy moment in our own lives and in the life of impact. And we'll get to those commitment cards that are on your seat in a few minutes. But before we do, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I want to make sure that we all know what the commitments we are making today are saying because they're saying some very important things to God. You see, we're not just saying we're going to fund what God wants us to do. This isn't just about money, but what our commitments today will say to God are some really important things. And that's what Unstoppable has been about from start to finish. It's been about making room in our lives for God to speak to us, making room in our lives for God to transform us. It has been about listening and responding to what God is saying to each of us. And today, we kind of make a shift. It's about what we say to God. It's about what we say to God as a result of how he has moved in our lives, as a result of how he has been leading us. So let me share just a few things that our commitments today might be saying. First, our commitments today declare to God that we care about future generations. We care about future generations. Now, some of you know that I have a reputation of staying in hotels that are not the nicest and most expensive hotels. My wife, Jill, would tell you that we tend to stay in dive hotels. And we do, 
Not as much as we used to, but we still do. And I guess I agree with Tom Bodette from Motel 6. You know, Tom Bodette from Motel 6 says that when your eyes are closed and you're asleep, they look just like the expensive hotels. And that's what I've found about dive hotels. Well, a while back, I was traveling alone for a few days and I flew into a city and I checked into the hotel and it actually seemed to be a nicer hotel than where I normally stay. But I got there in the afternoon, I had a meeting that night and so I decided I should take a shower. And so I checked out the towels in the bathroom and they were older motel towels. You know, they were thin and they were scratchy and I wasn't happy. But I remembered that there was a Walmart right across the street. And so I went out and I got in my rental car and I went over to Walmart in search of a nice, thick, soft towel. And I found one. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to be here for two nights, so I'm going to buy two of them. They were on sale, two for 20 bucks, so I put two in my cart. And as I was leaving that aisle, they had some really nice 1,000 thread count sheets on sale. And I thought of every bed bug story I have ever heard, and I thought that not only did I deserve those sheets, but I probably needed those sheets. So I put them in my cart. And then as I was walking a little further, I saw pillows. And I hate hotel pillows. So I found this really nice neck support pillow and I put that in my cart. And as I was walking towards the front, I passed some fans. You know, sometimes hotel rooms can be kind of warm. So I just got one of those fans and I put it in my cart. Then as I was walking up towards checkout, I noticed that they had 60 inch flat screen TVs on sale. <laughs> and it was a really good sale. And I thought I should not have to watch a 32 inch television for the next few days. And so I put that in my car. And as I'm walking to my car after paying for all this, it dawns on me, this is not all going to fit in my carry-on baggage. <laughs> this is not going to fit in that luggage rack above my seat. Now, you've probably already figured out that didn't really happen. <laughs> I don't know what gave you a clue, but could it be the reason you figured out that it didn't happen is because you knew it just wouldn't make sense for someone to spend all of that money to make himself comfortable in a place where he would only stay for a few nights. That just wouldn't make any sense if I was only going to be there for a few nights. Now, if you believe that to be true, you should know Jesus agrees with you. Jesus agrees with you. He thinks that our attitude and how we use our money should acknowledge the fact that we're only here on earth for a short time. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. He says, don't save treasures for yourself here on earth. Moths and rust will destroy them, and thieves can break into your house and steal them. Instead, save your treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust, and where thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your treasure is. 
Jesus says it doesn't make sense to stockpile riches that will rust or be stolen here on earth because we are only here for a short time. Instead, we, he says that we need to save treasures in heaven. Instead of saving treasures on earth, Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven. How do we do that? How do you store up treasures in heaven? Well, the only way that I know is by investing in people that are going to go there. It's by investing in the people who will be in heaven. And that's why our commitments declare that we care about future generations. Have you realized it yet? That our generosity is the only vehicle God uses to fund what he's doing here in this world. He doesn't have any other plan for helping people cross the line of faith. Uh, he doesn't have any plan to pay for uh, helping people grow stronger in their faith other than us. Or uh, he has no other plan to help people develop homes that experience the joy that God intended other than us. All of this is funded through the generosity of God's people. It's all funded through the generosity of God's people. And impact uses the gifts that we give so that we can be generous as a church. Let me give you a few highlights. Last year, we had a ministry called The Power of One Dollar. And did you know that program gave away over $30,000 to people in need that our members nominated? Over $30,000. Over 8,000 of that went to help people with rent or mortgage payments. Uh, almost 7,000 went to help people with car payments or car repairs. Over 5,000 went to help people with utility bills, and another 4,300 went to help people with medical bills. We were able to be very generous, and that program was in addition to the Good Samaritan Fund that we have had for many years. That fund also gave out thousands of dollars to help people in need. And we're also generous in serving our community. Did you know that our Beaver Valley campus has had people serve for several years now for free in the high school concession stands so that parents can watch their kids play football or be in the band rather than worrying about the concession stands? Did you know that? Did you know both of our campuses have sent crews to help people who needed some pretty major home repairs? Did you know that we sent a lot of people on missions trips just last year? And the list could go on. The list could go on. But the point is, Impact is a generous church, and that isn't going to stop. That isn't going to stop. We really do care about future generations, and that isn't stopping while we build out a new building. I mean, we're in the process of relaunching the Power of One Dollar uh, program right now, and the Good Samaritan Fund is going to continue. The only difference will be, instead of uh, those being funded by people giving extra, um, both of those programs are now part of Relentless Impact, and that part of Unstoppable. And in September, we're going to do something we haven't done for a few years. We will again be building houses for people in need of a home. And we'll be doing uh, a couple of houses here on our Moon campus and uh, on the parking lot. And then we'll be doing one on the parking lot of the Cinemark where our Beaver Valley campus meets. That's all part of Unstoppable. 
and we care about future generations by continuing uh, a strong ministry to kids and to students and continuing to reach out to people who are lost by providing a community center or by supporting our Beaver Valley and online campuses and even funding another campus. That's all part of Unstoppable. You see, our commitments say we care about future generations and they allow impact to continue to be a hugely generous church. But when I say that my commitment says I care about future generations, do you know what I really mean by that? Here are pictures of the future generations I care most about. These are my kids and my grandkids. And my commitment today is saying, I'm not going to cling to riches that will rot and risk my kids and my grandkids or your kids and your grandkids missing out on heaven as a result. Just not going to do it. I'm not going to invest lots of money to provide nice things and nice vacations for my family and fail to invest significant funds in opening the road that might take them to heaven for all eternity. We can't fund sports teams and lessons and college educations for them and not also focus on funding a place for their spiritual growth and their spiritual development. And so our commitment today declares to God that we care about future generations. It also declares that our hearts and our eyes are focused on God. Our hearts and our eyes are focused on God. Look back at what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 6. I'll start with verse 21. Your heart will be where your treasure is. The only source of light for the body is the eye. If you look at people and want to help them, you will be full of light. But if you look at people in a selfish way, you will be full of darkness. And if the only light you have is really darkness, you have the worst kind of darkness. Jesus is clear. Wherever we invest our money is what has our heart. That's where our heart is focused. That's what Jesus said. He basically says, if you want to see where your heart is, if you want to see where you, what you care most about, evaluate your spending. Look at what you spend the most money on because where your treasure is, that's what has a grip on your heart. Wherever your money is, that's what has a grip on your heart. And we understand that part of the passage, but suddenly, and it seems kind of out of place, Jesus suddenly starts talking about our eyes. He's been talking about the danger of money. And then he'll talk about the danger of money again towards the end and wrong views on the danger of money. But right in the middle, he starts talking about good eyes and bad eyes. And I think these verses about having good eyes and bad eyes also have to do with how we view material things. I think what he's saying is sometimes we get used to looking at things from a normal way, from a worldly way, from a logical way, and our eyes get clouded. And our vision isn't clear, and we don't even realize it. As the passage says, we get bad eyes, and we see things selfishly, and we don't even realize it. I think that sometimes happens to people like us who really are trying to do things the way that we know God wants us to do that. And let me give you an example I've struggled with, and maybe you'll find that you have too. I mean, I believe with all my heart that giving... 10% of our income is something God asks all of us to do, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let's put up some numbers. Let's say 
John and Mary Smith decide that they will give 10%. They will tithe when they first get married. And they have a yearly income of $20,000 per year. And so 10% or the tithe of that would be $2,000 a year, which means that they will need to figure out how to squeak by on $18,000 a year. And it's not easy, but they trust God. And God shows up just like he promised to do, and they figure out how to live on that plus the extra blessings that God sends to them. And they become committed to giving 10%. And so they both do well at their jobs, and they get older, and and pretty soon they have a yearly income of $200,000 a year. And they're still giving 10% or a tithe of that amount. And so they're giving $20,000 per year, which forces them to squeak by on only $180,000 a year. Feel bad for them? (laughs) Now, Jill and I don't make anywhere near $200,000 per year. But here's the question I didn't ask myself for many years and that I now think people like John and Mary and people like us should be asking ourselves, do you think God gave John and Mary 200 grand per year because he really wanted them to live on 180,000 and give back 20,000? Or did their eyes get cloudy along the way? Did their vision get bad and did they miss what their focus should be on? I mean, what if they increased their standard of living, their expendable cash to even $100,000 a year and gave God $100,000. That'd be huge, wouldn't it? Now, here's the truth that I've discovered, and it's not an easy truth. It's not a truth I like. But I can be giving God 10% and still have my heart somewhere else. I can be giving God a tithe and have him not have my heart because most of my treasures are somewhere else. See, part of this process for me has been to ask God to give me a pure heart, to give me clear eyes to see how he wants me to respond to him. And I don't have to have a super high income to ask God this. I just have to make sure that he has my heart. I need to make sure he has my heart. And here's the real truth. God doesn't want my treasure if he doesn't have my heart. Hear me clearly, God does not want your treasure if he doesn't have your heart. But God can't have my heart unless he has my treasure. He cannot have our hearts if he doesn't have our treasure. I want my commitment today to say, my heart belongs to you, God. My eyes are focused on you. My eyes are focused on your priorities. Let's look at one more thing that our commitment today declares to God. It declares that we've decided to trust him more. We've decided to trust him more. You know, Jesus talked a lot about money. You know why Jesus talked a lot about money? He talked so much about money and giving because he knew that we all have to make a critical choice. We have to make the critical choice of who or what we're going to trust the most. Who or what are we going to trust the most? Look at what Jesus said. You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. And so when I say that we have decided to trust him more, I don't just mean that we're increasing our trust, that we're dialing up our trust to a higher level, though we are. 
What I mean is we have decided to trust him more than anything else. We've decided to trust him more than we trust in our money, more than we trust in our retirement plan, more than we trust in our budget and our spreadsheet. We've decided to trust him more than anything else. And many of you have made space in your life the last few weeks for God to challenge you. Many of you have made space for God to change you. And I've heard some great stories of how God has shown up and how he is transforming you as you trust him more than anything else. And I'll share some stories in a few weeks when we announce the numbers and celebrate what God has been doing through Unstoppable. But in the Bible... When it was time to build the temple, David stood up and he encouraged the people by sharing with them what he was going to give. And he led out and then the leaders followed. And so I want to follow that example. I want to share with you without specifics a little bit about the unstoppable journey Jill and I have been on in this area of generosity. And I'm not sharing this to brag and I'm not sharing this for your approval or so that you will think we're spiritual. We are still growing in this area too. But like David, I want to share with you in order to encourage you. And so as Jill and I started thinking about this unstoppable commitment, we were already giving more than the biblical 10% to impact as our church home. And we were giving to support three other Christian mission ministries. And in thinking about this commitment and looking at our finances, we struggled with where we were going to be able to come up with more money to give. Like the rest of you, unstoppable has made us think through this. It has been a process for us. And as I began to think through it, I knew we would have to cut some of our expenses to be able to give significantly more. So I started looking at our budget, at our expenses, and at what we could cut, and my eyes kept landing on the car payment for my Jeep. Now some of you know that I'd wanted that Jeep for a long time. It was not an impulsive buy. I had looked at Jeeps and I had decided what color I wanted, what features I needed. And when it came time to replace my uh, other vehicle after an accident, I, um, I went out and found that Jeep with those features and I bought it. And um, I bought it used, but I still probably paid too much for it. But as part of the commitment, I felt like God was calling me to sell my Jeep. I had enough equity in it that I could sell it and get a perfectly good car and eliminate a big car payment from our budget. So I told Jill I had decided to sell my Jeep. And she tried to talk me out of it because she knew how much I loved it. But I put it up for sale. And then she came to me a few weeks after that and told me she was going to sell her piano. Now she has this beautiful piano and it was a gift from the church that we served in Arizona when she left her role as our worship director there. It's also the piano she uses every day to teach her piano students. And so I tried to talk her out of it. I explained that she needed it for her business and she said, yes, I need a piano, but I don't need one that's worth that much money. And so I am now the proud owner of a six-year-old car that I refer to as my old man sedan. And Jill's piano is up for sale. God has called us to sell them so that we can make bigger commitments to Unstoppable. 
But God wasn't done with us on this. One night when I was talking to a couple from our church about Unstoppable, I said something like, I'm told that some of our people who are just beginning to grow and to learn about giving, that they might be able to double their giving or even increase their giving five or ten times what they're giving. But at the level Jill and I are already giving, we can't double our giving to Unstoppable. And something strange happened right at that moment while I was saying this. I felt like when I said we couldn't increase our giving that much, that God said to me, or he put a thought in my mind, why not? Why can't you do that? And I spent a few days arguing with God. Do you ever do that? I, I really struggled with him, and a few days, for a few days I tried to convince God and myself that we couldn't do it, but I felt like God was calling us to do that. And when I discussed it with Joe, I, I think I was secretly hoping that she would give me some really spiritual reason why we couldn't do it. But without hesitation, she agreed that we should do it. And I want to tell you, it won't be easy, but I believe it's what God is asking us to do, and I believe that God will provide and after that, we started talking about the stored resources box on the commitment card. And we estimated what we will be able to give from the sale of Jill's piano. And we put that number on our list. And we expect to get tax refunds. And we added a big part of that to our gift on the box. But we also feel strongly that we want our gift to be a gift of faith. We want it to be a gift of faith. And we don't want it to just be what we can logically put on a spreadsheet or that we can plan to commit. We don't think it's a gift of faith if we can line out all the numbers and say how we're going to do it. And so Joel and I have come up with an amount that we've agreed upon prayerfully that we have absolutely no clue how we're going to keep that part of the commitment. We have no plan, no clue. We're just trusting God to provide it by giving us unexpected blessings or by showing us where we can cut further costs. And with all that said, our commitment is now the largest commitment that we have ever made to any church. And I struggled initially with what I thought God was saying, and now God has called us to do significantly more than that. And when we had our advanced commitment night a couple of weeks ago, I really hoped that we were done. Then God showed me some additional funds that we can commit. And... I'm scared and I'm excited at the same time. I'm scared and excited at the same time. But honestly, uh, I know that we're following God's leading and I honestly don't know how God is going to enable us to keep the commitment that he's having us make. But Jill and I are practicing what I've been preaching. You see, we're putting ourselves in a place where we are absolutely forced to trust God and we know that he will change us. We know that he will grow us. We know that he will bless us through all of this because we know that generosity is transformational for us and for you. Now, am I saying that you have to do everything that Jill and I have decided to do? No, not at all. But you know what you do have to do? You have to do what God's calling you to do. You need to make sure that your commitment is based on what God has asked you to do. You need to let generosity be transformational in your life and in the life of your family. And when you trust God more than you trust anything else, look at the promise that he has made. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God will make you rich in every way so that 
you can always give freely. And your giving through us will make people give thanks to God. God blesses us not so that we can have more to spend, not so that we can uh, live more comfortably. He blesses us, underline the, those two words, so that we can always give freely. He gives us more so that we can always be more generous. Now, we're almost uh, at our commitment time, but two weeks ago, our leaders and others who wanted to be out front of what God is doing, they met together and they made advanced commitments to this unstoppable initiative. Watch this video from that night. It's been a journey for us. We have been searching for a church for several years, and recently, within the last six to eight months, have come in contact or become um, members at, here at Impact, and we are excited and looking forward. And for the first time in probably 10 years, are going out of our comfort zone to be generous to the church and really, um, you know, step into this action to help to become unstoppable. What this unstoppable commitment means to us is just stepping out on faith and, you know, doing what God's called us to do and really being uncomfortable with, with where that is and what we're doing. What this unstoppable commitment means to me is having complete faith in God because I have no idea how this is gonna happen, but just trusting him completely with, uh, with my commitment. Uh, unstoppable means a lot to me. Uh, I've been at this church for almost 30 years. Uh, a lot of people laid the foundation for this church to be here and bless me uh, for a long time. And I just want to be a part of something that will uh, be there and impact future generations. If I can have any part of that, I'm happy to do it. We want to be unstoppable. What is unstoppable commitment means to us is trusting God fully, taking the bold step in faith, and be part of something great what God is going to do in our community. To us is, I guess, uh, one of the greatest opportunities that we've ever had to give back to God what He's already given us. And uh, we're just so excited to get to be a part and witness uh, what's coming. To me, it's just a chance to give back to God for everything he has given to us. It took us a while to find this church and to be a family together in church. And we're just amazed at what God has already done for us. And we can't wait to see how we can grow and help with impact and be unstoppable. Unstoppable to me is a chance to expand God into the community, to build the community center, to have hundreds if not thousands of, of people coming in through the building and in through the doors. So we're very pleased to be part of this and cannot wait to see it finished.
So today we are going to follow the lead of the people that we just watched on that video because we want you to be a part of this big move of God in the life of individuals, in the life of our church, and in the life of this community. And um, for those of you who were at the Advanced Commitment Night, I want us all to be completely unified in what we're doing here today. And so I'm asking you to fill out another card. Some have indicated to me that your commitment has changed, and so filling out another card will update the commitment that you made. It's okay if it's exactly a duplicate of the other cards. We're not going to charge you twice for it. But, um, oh, wait, well, that's a great idea. No. Um, but let me have you take that commitment card right now, and let me go over it very quickly. Again, I want to stress that what goes on this card is everything that you plan to give to Impact over the next 24 months. It isn't just the extra funds that you plan uh, to give to Unstoppable over what you're giving now. The card uh, is what you're going to give completely over the next two years. And it has a worksheet on it that will help you. And the top box uh, is for you to list what you are currently giving to Impact per year right now. And if you're new to Impact or new to giving here, that's fine. You can just leave that, that part blank. But it's what you're giving to Impact per year right now. The next box down is for you to list the amount per year that God is moving you to increase your giving to Impact during this Unstoppable campaign. And then the next box is where you add those two numbers together and then you slide across to the next box and that is uh, you multiply your first number by two and that gives you your two-year commitment to unstoppable then when you move down to the next box that is for your stored resources that is for uh, bonuses that you know that you're going to get later and you're going to get part of it or tax refunds or something that you're going to sell can go in there and uh, then the next box down from there is where you total those two up together and that dollar sign, that right there is the number that is the most important number for you to write on the form and you write your name and your phone number and your email so that we can keep you posted on all of this and um, you can use the worksheet if you want but this number, this box right here is what we'll really be looking at. And I want to give you just a minute or so to fill out that card. I want you to pray about it. If you're with your spouse, it's okay for you to talk to them about it and whisper about it right now. But let me suggest one more thing as you're doing that. I want you to look at the number that you write down on that card, and I want you to ask yourself, is this my number or is this God's number? Is this what I can see us doing, what I think we can afford, what I think we can do, or is this the number that God is asking for that will cause me to transform to be closer to him? The number that will cause me to trust him completely. Take just a minute and fill out that card.
Okay, let me give you some instructions. Here's what I want you to do. After I pray in just a minute, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing. The worship team's going to lead us in some musical worship. And I want you to come to one of the boxes in the room. There's two up here. There's two in the back. And I want you to drop your commitment card in there. And then I want you to pick up one of the rocks and a marker that's there. And I want you to write just a name on the rock. Just the first name of someone that you are praying that God touches through the new community center, through the ministries of impact. It can be a family member, it can be a coworker, it can be a friend. But write down the name on the rock and then put it in one of the blue buckets there at each door and there's a couple up here. And um, then as you're walking back to your seat, say a quick prayer for the person whose name that you wrote down. And if you're visiting with us today, and obviously you may not be participating in the commitment, but we still invite you to come get a rock and write a name down that God might uh, touch a life that we can pray for them. And just a side note, at each event that we've had for Unstoppable, we've had a special prayer focus of some sort. Our elders and staff and other leaders wrote uh, prayer cards, and at the vision meetings we wrote our prayers on canvases and now we're writing names that we're praying for on rocks and you might wonder what will we be doing with those cards and those canvases and those rocks well during construction of the new moon campus they will be placed inside the floors and the walls of the new facility so that our new campus will literally be built on the prayers of our people we will literally be building our campus on our prayers and someday when the person whose name you write on that rock today crosses the line of faith, you can tell them that somewhere in that building, their name is on a rock. It's embedded in that building because we've been praying for them that long. So let me pray, and then we will sing together, and let's stand as we pray and as we get ready to sing. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving us enough to entrust us with your uh, mission, with your purpose. Father, thank you for this church, for the history of this church, for the way that you have moved through the last 47 years to accomplish your plan. And Father, I love these people. I love being their pastor. And Father, now as we make this commitment together, we pray that future generations will come to know Jesus. We pray, Father, that our commitments will declare to you our trust in you, that we trust you more than anything else. So, Father, right now, take our hearts, clear our focus as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.